1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. We've had a
1: few people ask on
2: the trailer wheel and frame text page, uh, hey, what was the big announcement yesterday at 945? To which I, I said to Ben... Gary, our producer, I said, can you believe there's people that only listen to this show in 15-minute increments while they're driving in and they don't just bring it with them all four hours to find out? Um, being tongue-in-cheek, I get it. People have jobs. Um, but honestly, listen all four hours. Uh, so let's do it one more time for the people. For those for those in the back who didn't hear the first time, the big announcement yesterday was Payne and Pendergast is going to spring training. We are one. We are Payne and Pendergast is... Go into spring training, collectively, the group. And I didn't mention before, Adam Spillane is going with us. So it's me, Seth, Adam Spillane, who's the smartest baseball person, going on this trip. And our boss, Parker Hillis, is there to chaperone and make sure that, you know, make sure we don't have. Girls in the basement at 1 in the morning and things like that, yeah. like back in high school. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he tried to get us a hotel, and I convinced him to get an Airbnb, and then he got nervous about uh, <laughs> just what we might do to the Airbnb. So now he's coming with us. This Airbnb lot, looks like
2: so. we could have a fun party
3: at it. <laughs> that is a nice pool. At first, I it's a nice enough pool that I thought to look to see if they were actually showing the community pool. Yeah, Sometimes oh yeah. you get duped by that, you yeah. know? Nope. You're like, oh, look at that pool. Like, oh. Oh, they don't actually have 20 Chez lounges just for their one house. That's the right, community pool. Right, yeah.
2: right. No, this is an actual backyard pool. They've got a grill. We're going to cook Ooh. out. That's going to be fun. I don't know if you know that, Seth, but we're going to cook out. I just said okay. it.
3: No, no, that's all. That's uh, I'll, I'll, I'll criticize your grilling techniques and Excellent. criticize mine. Excellent. God forbid you ask for grilling advice on, on social media.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Hey,
3: I, hey, I'd like advice on this one very specific type of grilling. Well, let me tell you, right. you don't actually even want to try that. Yes. Let me tell you, about here's here's seventeen tweets about an entirely different method. Right, yes. right.
2: What, what you really need to do with that hamburger is sear it, and then yes. and I'm like, oh, I just want burgers, that's man. It. I just I, I, bur- I put- uh,
3: Here's here's the only one true way to just you know just just make meat hot. Yes. Okay? Yeah, make it. meat hot and then put it in your gullet. That's it. Um. It's so gonna we're fun. gonna have fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna get to see a game every day. Yep. Uh we're going we'll take some road trips. What's yep. the furthest we'll travel for I a game? I think
2: the furthest one we're traveling is on Tuesday. They play the Mets in Port St. Lucie. That's forty seven minutes away from West Palm Beach.
3: Is Port St. Lucie on the west side of the west coast? No, Did no, this a- is
2: all happening on the east side. On the, Port St.
3: Lucie's on the east It is east coast of Florida. Sure I always is. thought it was on the west side. Sure oh, is, okay. yeah. No,
2: we're we're gonna go to Port St. Lucie and then the the Cardinals play in Juniper, which is also yeah. on that side of the uh, of the state. So, and that's okay. only twenty minutes. So, it's going to be fun, man. We're we're going to be we're going to be doing the show from West Palm Beach. We're going to be at all the games while we're there. We're going to be in the clubhouse, whatever media access we're whatever media access they allow. We are going to get. We're going to try to get some interviews with some folks. Adam Spillane is going to be there at the early morning media sessions. They do media like super early. He's going to be there. He's going to report back to us. We're going to be checking in on all the shows. We're going to be up on social. We're going to be swimming in the pool. We're going to be yeah. cooking out. It's going to be great.
3: Can't I'm going to go swimming in Lake Okeechobee. Oh, yeah? Lake- no, I don't think so. Okeechobee. I don't think people swim in that, do they? I've never like, even heard uh, of it before. gators will get you. Oh, yeah. It's a, that's a big old, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, I'm excited most of all as we'll start to see video of it anyway. But um, Luis Garcia is going to have to modify his windup because yeah. of the new enforcement of the pitching rules and all of these um, all these other deals. It's um, the the absence of the shift. I don't think is going to be as notable as as we probably think it is. Even though, even though at least several times a game, when you're watching on television, you're like, "Oh, that's a hit." No, it's not. Yeah. The second baseman is actually 400 feet deep in right field <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> uh, with the shift. Yep. Uh, but it's. Uh, I don't think that'll that that necessarily won't be as notable, except for guys like Framber, perhaps. And um, people keep citing Lance McCullers as a guy that might get hurt with the shift being gone. It's it's. Important to note that Lance despises the shift, so even he's a ground ball hitter, um, he's uh, he's never – I don't think he's always been fully on board with it, so I – whatever, even if it hurts him, I think he'll just be glad to get back to old school. Lance
2: strikes me as such a baseball junkie that he's about what's for the greater good of baseball in the future than he is his stats.
3: I think it's more that, like, every time it doesn't work and something gets hit into a gap – uh, that he feels. I think he probably sees the value in the shift, but doesn't think that the nerds actually get it right. That they're kind of they're overly simplifying it, or just through, without taking all the different situations into account. Yeah. All right.
2: Let's pay off on this tease. So that 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 was the big announcement yesterday is that uh, we will be at spring training. Seth and I will be there. Adam Spillane is going to be there as well. And uh, Parker Hillis, our boss, is going to be uh, is going to be with us. He's chaperoning the trip for these uh, ne'er do wells that he's bringing down to West Palm Beach. Michael King had some things to say about the Astros. And if your first reaction is who exactly, Michael King, a reliever for the Yankees. Who pitched zero in the postseason last year?
3: Yeah, that's what I, I was. I was looking for his postseason stats to see yeah. if if he was made to look even more stupid. Yeah, you're gonna need to look hard. You're about to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Um. So Michael King, and where is this? Seth, you sent this to me. Where is this from? This was
3: on MLB Network Radio, okay. which is on Sirius, I believe. Um. So he's talking to somebody about how the Astros are their kryptonite, but then he. He said something really weird to the point where I had to go back and just check the calendar to 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 be sure I knew I remembered all of this correctly because this is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard.
2: Take a listen. If we faced the Astros when we were rolling in those May, June, July months, I think it's not even close. Like we were by far the best team in baseball. We hit a little bit of injury. We had the trade deadline. I think kind of just like threw off the locker room a little bit. But if if it's all together, I think this team's unbelievable, and there's there's no chance that an Astros team could could stop us when we're rolling.
3: Okay, so those May, June, July months are when the Astros went five and two versus the Yankees. Yeah. Um, they never, uh, they never had a. The, the Yankees never had a lead at any at bat during that game. Remember, they won two games with walk offs. Um, then the Astros uh, would go five and two in the regular season. Then, of course, they would win four games against them in the. That's all they got. They only got to play four games against the Yankees. Yeah, and the they ALCS, swept them. yep.
2: Oops. Yeah, so they
3: were 9-2 and two against the Astros uh, in that very time period that Michael King referenced, and um, uh, apparently, though, they don't have a chance if, they, if the Astros, if the Astros who basically stopped the Yankees from rolling. That's the part that was really, like, yeah, the Yankees were rolling, and then, the, and then the Astros stopped them from rolling. Yeah. Why are these guys so delusional? I don't why know. Why are Yankees fans such idiots, and why are Yankees pitchers apparently just as dumb that they just keep inviting this upon them? I don't, but you know what? Blackboard talk, bulletin board thing, material shouldn't even be a thing in baseball. No. And yet somehow it is. And the Astros are awesome at it. Yep. The Astros are awesome at taking bulletin board material. All these other all these other uh, pathetic excuses of so-called athletes with teams like the Yankees don't even know what to do with bulletin board material because they're afraid that the, somehow their their mental processing will be screwed up. Don't get too emotional. Keep an even keel. Meanwhile, Bregman and McCullers are out there wanting to fist fight in the park. Parking lot afterwards. Yep. Damn it. Yep. Yeah. When
2: we were uh, when we were rolling in May, June, and July is what Michael King just said, and as Seth pointed out, June 23rd through the 26th, they played, I believe, up at Yankee Stadium. They played a game on June 30th at Minute Maid Park. the, the Astros they were supposed to play the Yankees the one of the first series of the season, but it got moved because of the lockout because of the the season started late. So they played a game on June 30th. Um, I was at that game. The Astros won that one, and then they played a doubleheader on July 21st at Minute Maid Park that the Astros swept. So they were that period of time where they were rolling the Yankees. Yeah, the Astros went five and two. They went five yeah. and two, and if it weren't for a couple of walkoffs, they would have led the entire seven games. That's it. So, gummy. Um, Michael a, King.
3: A couple people pointing out that this interview is uh is a couple weeks old. He said a few months ago. It's actually I think it was like two weeks ago um yeah we get that it's we're the off season with, it's today's the first day of baseball yeah, yeah. <laughs> today's
2: spring training we're trying to work up some sufficient anger each and every day of the baseball season
3: somebody said it was played all over the place like no it wasn't it was baseball in the off season yeah so yeah we're playing it now buddy yeah this is my rule on stuff like it because I looked at it yesterday when I found out like all right how old is this and how did I miss it I sent it to you right and I said you, you seen yeah. it like no I'm like all right if uh, if Sean hasn't seen it either, then uh, then there we go. We're good to go. Yeah, it's February fourth. Where does this guy get off saying that it was? Uh, he said this a few months ago. Hmm. A few months February ago would have been
1: 30, like during, during the playoffs. playoffs.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So so Mr. Mr. Smart guy says, do you guys realize that the Michael King interview was two months ago and it's been played all over other places? That's okay. it was, I don't know. It was February 4th, man. Yeah. Right.
2: Like, if, yeah. We, if we want to play baseball audio that gets us sufficiently lathered up for the season, does not matter when it's from? Hey, here's Cody Bellinger from three freaking years ago. <laughs>
3: uh, you know, I thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um, you know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us. Um, but, you know, it's over. They, uh, they apologized. They went together and apologized. And, uh, you know, it is what it is now.
2: That was from yeah. three years ago, almost to the date at the beginning of spring training in 2020. Are you telling me that you, because it was three years ago, you can't revel in the fact that Cody Bellinger has a 648 OPS since that silly quote that he gave right that,
3: there? That he's been just trash right. since then. Some things yeah. are timeless, yeah. people. Come yeah, on. man. Yeah. So it's uh, so now that the NFL playoffs are over, yes, uh, now we're going to catch up. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to go through the last two months of inflammatory things said in baseball that were apparently paid all, played all over the place and yet we didn't hear them and uh and we'll do that yes it's going to be our audio crumbs friday friday at 9 a.m leftovers yes absolutely (laughs) the
2: astros seth have they have five of the top 27 candidates for five of the top 26 candidates no i'm sorry six of the top 26 candidates for mvp of the american league they've got four of the top 25 candidates for the Cy Young Award right now. That's amazing. So the odds are out on the two big awards in the American League. The top three for MVP: no Astros there. Although I think Yordan is great value at 12 to one. Shohei Otani is horrible value at two to one. Great player, but two to one on an MVP award is terrible value. Aaron Judge, plus 450. Mike Trout, plus 550. So basically four and a half to one and five and a half to one. Yordan is fifth on the list at 12 to one. Kyle Tucker is tied for tenth at thirty-three to one, along with Carlos Correa, uh, former Astro. Alex Bregman forty to one, tied for fifteenth, along with George Springer, former Astro. Nineteenth, a tie. Jeremy Peña and Jose Altuve fifty to one. Jose Altuve—that's interesting to me. Jose Altuve, who was fifth in the MVP balloting last year, has the same odds as Jeremy Peña, who is clearly in the odds in the eyes of the odds makers. Riding the wave of last year's postseason right now.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because he was not Um, a good
2: hitter in the regular season. Well, he wasn't,
3: but but remember, he made a substantive change to his swing. He got rid of that hover step, and that was what all of a sudden really started to allow him to hit the breaking ball. And the breaking ball issues weren't the problem that they were when he was kind of in that – just, I don't want to call it a slump, but whatever he was after the All-Star break. So I think that that makes sense. Like there were, there were definitive reasons. It wasn't just dumb luck that changed his his hitting. So I think that there's that. Um, then there's also, oh, the rule change. I haven't seen a lot of people talk about this, which is the we've been focused on kind of Luis Garcia not uh, being able to rock the baby anymore. We've been focused on maybe how the shift might hurt and or help various guys. Like a shift might hurt Framber Valdez, but it's probably really, really gonna help out Kyle Tucker and Jordan a lot. Those guys are both in the top twenty for amount of times they saw the shift or had to hit into a shift. So um I think the the big thing though too is with the bigger bags and then the Bach rule, there's probably gonna be a whole lot more steal attempts and that's gonna help out Pena. It's gonna help out Kyle Tucker a whole bunch. Just shot did he get thirty let no he didn't get thirty. Um, Uh, 25 Tucker. Yeah. Jose Altuve who out of nowhere at 18 steals last year. If Altuve can get enough steals to make up for his other outs on bases, um, then we'll be good. We'll be good. (laughs) Okay.
2: He's, he's going to need a lot of steals. He makes a lot of mistakes on the base paths, but I love him. Don't get me wrong.
3: Oh, plus, um, uh, the other, the guy that, the guy that said that the, that Quote was out all over the place for months now. Yeah, he's upset that we didn't. Um, that he's texted multiple times asking about where we are with Clint Kubiak, and I haven't responded to that, even though I'll respond to his criticism. Okay, um, I don't.
2: The answer is I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I
3: can't make it like every single hour. We're saying, hey, Clint Kubiak is officially not signed with the Texans. Right. Yet. The Texans right. haven't announced really any of their coaching hires or assistant coaching hires. So if Clint Kubiak is the running back or the run game coordinator or yeah. running backs coach or whatever they had initially reported, um, I uh, will know when the Texans report it unless somebody leaks it. Yep. I would guess, are you guessing that he probably is and they just haven't announced? It yet? I would,
2: I, you know, like, my, this is just my guess. My guess is that his other opportunities might've been tied to other head coaches, you know, that might've gotten other jobs that had been open at the last minute, you know, the Colts and the Cardinals, um, so, but, but who knows? Maybe Jonathan Gannon has a thing for Clint Kubiak. I have no idea. Um, but I think that's what's holding. Like, I, I think it's those two jobs. If I had to guess that are, that are holding it up. Um, the, uh, the other Astro who made the MVP board, Jose Abreu, the newest Astro, uh, 66 to one. He's tied for 24th. The four Astros who are on the odds board for AL Cy Young award from Valdez who finished fifth in the balloting last year. Ninth, tied for ninth on the odds board at sixteen to one. Hmm. But the uh, the shift rules. You got me scared a little bit for betting on something like this. Well, the, the yeah, Cy Young yeah. Award. You know. Well,
3: and also, I would say, and I I think the Astros might be playing it very cautious with Framber's contract to see exactly. They don't know exactly how it's going to look without. Without the Maybe. shift and with Framber, you know, like just how good and dominant is he? Is he going to have to make some adjustments? Yep, we we just don't know.
2: Javier twenty to one, McCullers thirty three to one, Jose Arquidi sixty six to one for the AL Cy Young Award. I right, uh, Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Thursday again. Uh, we are headed to spring training uh, February twenty seventh through March third. That last week of the month, last week of February, first week of March. Uh, Seth and I will be at spring training. Adam Spillane going as well, and we're going to be down there. We can't wait to cover the Astros for you the first week of spring training game. Should be a whole lot of fun. Spring training getting started today. Pitchers and catchers start working out here imminently in about the next 15 minutes uh, down in West Palm Beach. All right, we're going to get to headlines a little later on this hour. Speaking of the Texans and their staff, there's been a lot made that D'Amico Ryans needs a former head coach on the staff an advisor if you will so far all of the guys who have been announced that are going to be on this staff none of them fit that mold that criteria that resume who would be the best for D'Amico Ryans that's feasible when it comes to a former head coach mentor slash advisor we've got a list we'll go through it next
0: okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend
2: today. Sports Radio 610 presents Pain and Pendergast. <laughs> Funny text from the Trailer Wheel and Frame text page. Trailer Wheel and frame. Seth, did the guy that quit the station yesterday do it to your face, face-to-face, the way we do it in Texas? That's, <laughs> that's a text from somebody who listens to all four hours of the show. Seth got the greatest text yesterday I think ever to this show, Seth, I'll let you recap it.
3: He was upset that I was talking a lot of smack about Sean Payton. And he was saying that for some reason, um, this guy, this, this guy hates Landry locker and me because we talk too much smack. And he said in Texas, and this is like, as he's calling me all kinds of names and everything that I can't say on radio. And he said in Texas, we say it to a man's face, yeah. <laughs> he said, he, but he said this via text. So that, right. was, the, uh, that, that was the part that was. Irony, um, thy name is yeah, that text yeah, Yes, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. funny. That is funny. He conceded. He conceded that there, uh, there was a little hypocrisy there, but he said it's because he didn't have. But this is the problem. He said it's because he didn't have the opportunity to say it to my face. But then I have to be very careful because I can't be like, we. Well, yeah, we'll show up at such and right, such time a Right, right, right. You know that, where to find me. That can look a little bit like uh, provoking <laughs> provoking an incident. Especially so. as
2: chances are you're like 100 pounds heavier than this guy. Well,
3: no, no, but also, though, like, yeah, but also just that's the kind of thing. This is what always happens on social media, I've learned, Sean, that like when whenever somebody like comes into the DMs and starts getting really aggressive with me, I try to be as super cool as possible and a lot of times i'll like i'll be like hey like let's have a discussion about this here's my email go ahead and just email me because all they're waiting for you to do is be like all right buddy let's go yeah. And then that turns into the screenshot. Oh, yeah, they're like, look at what, look at what shock jock Seth Payne said. Right, right. <laughs> He's
2: unhinged.
3: Look at this. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got to be very, very careful when somebody's trying to lead you down that road.
2: All right. So the belief with D'Amico Ryan's is, I don't say the belief, but I, I think there's a, a lot of speculation that okay, it probably makes sense for a guy who's a first-time head coach to have some experience on his staff, to have a maybe even a former head coach who can guide him through the rough waters. It may be that former head coach experience at some point to be an advisor, a consigliere of sorts, um, on, on the staff. I think Lovey Smith was going to kind of be that for David Cully. If he lasted for more than a season, you know, we've seen other, other head coaches do that. O- other first time head coaches have experience on their staff as well. Yeah. Um, thus far, I've not seen anybody that's been announced for this staff where I, see them fitting that description right now it's a fairly young staff
3: yeah it feels like they're they're kind of out there without necessarily the guidance of an older coach which i mean i think that is more the standard way of doing it teams will teams will hire consultants or they'll have assistant head coaches a lot of times it's a the guy that becomes an assistant head coach is a guy that was already on the staff like romeo Cornell, you know and Romeo Cornell was a good guy to. Romeo Cornell was a good guy for Bill O'Brien to have because it fit that classic. Hey, here's an older guy that's been a head coach who can handle the defense and maybe allow Bill O'Brien to focus a little bit more on the offense. But I think, especially because Romeo was a opposite temperament of Bill O'Brien, yes. he might have been really good at times of just calming him the hell down, perhaps. Um, so I think, like D'Amico, I don't think we have to worry about that. I don't think we have to worry about D'Amico needing to be calmed down. But there are obviously like various times where like like Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan can call his dad when he's got issues about like, Hey, how do you think I should handle this? Or like, all right, this is, this is like a, this, this is a PR nightmare with this player I've got. Is it worth it? All that kind of stuff. He's got his dad as a sounding board. Most NFL head coaches don't have a father who was a, um, uh, an NFL head coach, for a decades. Super Bowl yeah. winning yeah. head coach, <laughs> yeah. who's the
2: architect of one of the greatest offensive systems ever. No, you're right about yeah. that. So, so do you have a do you have a, a short list in your upper right hand drawer, like a, like you're a search firm right now?
3: I I kind of brainstormed Ferry. because yeah. honestly, it's hard to start figuring out. Okay, I. Couple guys that I thought of are already dead. You know, like Don Shula. That's not gonna work out. He's dead. And but I didn't I had forgotten that at the time. Um I thought like I thought Jimmy Johnson maybe, except that Jimmy Johnson I think is uh he <laughs> It might be a bad influence. Jimmy, no, well, I just
2: think Jimmy wants to be on his boat five days a week and be in LA <laughs> yeah. doing TV. The other two,
3: I, he lives down there in the Keys, and people come to see him like he's a a monk on top of a mountain in yeah. Tibet or something. You know, yeah. the people they they make the they make this journey to somewhere in the Keys and they sit at his foot while he delivers wisdom to them. Yeah, he doesn't want to move on from that. No,
2: no, no. You um,
3: uh, you got other names. I thought Bill Cower. I think about I don't know. Bill Cower has lost his fastball if he ever had one on um, on the broadcasts. Oh he's, yeah, he's he's having the helped along a little bit at times with uh, just some of this. I I don't I don't think he's really loving it. Maybe the perhaps the way he did when it was a change of pace. I feel like Bill Cower might be a good guy to just be able to to be around as a sounding board. Yeah. I feel like he's got wisdom to dispense. I guess
2: that's my question for you, Seth, and your search yeah. firm for this particular role, is do you envision this person for D'Amico being somebody who is actually on the staff and in the building, the way Romeo Cornell was yeah. for Bill O'Brien, or... Do you envision them being more of a consultant that you know swoops in once a month on a private plane, and the rest of the time you've got him on speed dial, sort of?
3: Thing? I want him. I want him to be more of the latter. I think like um, the look. I can remember when Gary Kubiak was in his first year as head coach with the Texans. He was doing so many things really, really well. I was really impressed. I was. I was a veteran player. I'd seen my share of coaches in the NFL, and I thought Kubiak came in. For a guy that some people questioned whether he had the right persona or what have you. He came in and he had a head coach's persona. And I thought that he did a great job of delegating. I think he, there there's some, you know, there's some staff issues that he had to clean up over the first couple of years. But I do remember there was one day <laughs> there was one day where he came in and you could tell that All the enormity of the job had gotten to him a little bit because he referenced something about how he was tired of getting the calls about where guys are at 2 a.m. and all this other stuff that, you know, which is the stuff that you have to deal with the very, like you've got to have a system in place for dealing with the people that are trying to dime out some dude for just living his life or trying to. Blackmail somebody—it's a—it's all this extra drama, the two a.m. phone calls, basically. That I don't think you can really prepare yourself for. That's where having somebody like, well, a Gary Kubiak, you know, um would uh, would really come in handy. Kubiak, Kubiak might be the ideal guy. I think just like Dom Capers is working as a consultant for Igero Ivero Evero, whatever, in Jero Ivero, the new young defensive coordinator in. In Carolina, and Dom Capers was the head coach at Carolina. More time has passed since Dom Capers was the coach in Carolina than time has passed since Kubiak was the head coach here but i don't i don 't feel like it would be awkward i you know and i don 't know if it would be awkward for Gary or anybody in the team but um, do you feel like that would be an awkward fit for Gary to show back up as a consultant, even though he's no, head coach just ten years ago? No,
2: no, I don't. I don't think so because he's very popular for one thing, and number two, yeah. if his son is on the staff, then it's logical.
3: If if we he, he's
2: not yet, you know, we don't right. know, or if he's even going to be, he's got opportunities. But if Clint Kubiak's on the staff, then I, if he's on the staff, I almost assume that guys on that staff, including D'Amico, and I think D'Amico could lean on Gary even without Clint there. But I think if Clint were there, it would. It would increase the chances, I think, but I, I don't know. Maybe Clint wants to, you know, maybe yeah, Clint's like, I, I, to- I, I, I don't want you, I don't want training wheels. I don't need you helping me, Dad. I can ride this bike
3: by myself. Yeah, yeah I don't want Dad hanging around all over the place. Yeah, That's, uh, I just want to make my own. My and maybe it would be different if it was in a different city, but this is Houston. This is where yeah, 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 yeah. So although Kubiak would be a
2: cool dad, though, I think. Well,
3: the whole thing about Kubiak is, and I think I said this yesterday. Much like Capers, oh, I said this on with Clinton's show. Much like Capers, like he doesn't have an ego the way some guys do. You know, you hear these stories about like when Bill Walsh stepped back at with the 49ers, it wasn't all that great because he was he was behind the scenes still being very much uh, critical uh, critical of various Bill Parcells when he stepped back into a front office role with the Dolphins. Yeah. That's how it went, right? Head coach of Dolphins. He, he it, was
2: never the head coach there. Oh, right? he wasn't the head no, coach. Okay. No.
3: But it was, okay, you know what? I can think of like Tom Coughlin and Bill Parcells when they tried to settle into front office jobs. Yeah. I think they had a hard time. You know, they had a hard time not wanting to grab the wheel. Yeah, it, sure. It felt and seemed like they wanted to grab the wheel at some point. I don't see Kubiak being that way. I think he's, for one, I think he's 100% done with coaching. And I think he could very much... Be a guy that has, could sit there at thirty-five thousand feet, see the bigger picture, and and provide good advice. Yep
2: I, I I agree with I agree with that. You know what? Um, um, the other thing that amazes me is you talked about all the things to manage the two o'clock in the morning phone calls and stuff like that, and I gained a greater appreciation for this. At our first softball practice for the Boots for Troops softball game that I'm managing the veterans in on Friday.
3: Yeah. Are you wearing the... a uniform like yes. a real manager? Yes, I am. Okay. They're
2: getting yeah, they're getting me a jersey and uh, yes, I'm wearing a uniform. Um the game will be up in Tomball. If you want bootsfortroops.org, if you want to buy tickets, I'll be managing the civi- I'll be managing the veterans against a team of civilians that'll be managed by the diabolical nefarious Landry Locker.
3: Of course Landry took the civilians. Of R- course he did.
2: <laughs> we were assigned them. Um but you know what I gained a greater appreciation of? Names, learning people's names.
3: Oh, it's hard. Yeah.
2: Holy crap! I, I have twelve guys on my team. It took me a whole practice just to get everybody's name down. A football training camp. I mean, like granted, like Jeez. a lot of the guys are already there, but you got like yeah. all these undrafted free agents, and you got all the new draft picks and everything.
3: Man, Well with those at least though, you're always you know when you're talking about those prospects, you might have their picture up on the board, you know when yeah you're, when you're when you're discussing them. Maybe. So there's time in the off season. But you're right; it is a lot of names. Lot I always wonder about that with coaches. Like guys that have coached high school for forty years, there's got okay. I gotta, I'm gonna, ask, I'm gonna call up a couple of these. I don't, I know a few guys that have coached a long time, and I've never actually asked them. Like, what's it like when somebody from 1979 comes up and is like, "Hey, I was your third string center. Remember me?" You can't, right? No, <laughs> yeah, like you can't possibly remember no. that kid. No, that sucks. Oh. But that oh, sucks. Man. I also wonder too. Some of these, um, these teams like Alabama and. uh these blue blood teams from the past, you know, decade or 20 years. Like when you, when they have a bowl game, how do they decide exactly who gets to stand on the sidelines? There's going to be a lot of pissed off. Yeah. Formerly great players. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you. I, I almost like, these days, it's probably done by social media status or something.
2: I, I don't know the full list of criteria, but I can tell you what probably is number one. How much are you donating to the school these days? Oh, that's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. It's, that's, a, that's a complicated matrix there.
3: I'll, I'll tell you what, like, having been around various, you know, ex-player events and stuff, there's always somebody that's disgruntled about, like, oh. them not being treated with the proper amount of respect. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I just, don't want any part of that, man. There's too
2: many that. guys in football for that not yeah. to happen. It's just, yeah. it's the sport where the rosters are by far the biggest. All right. Uh, it's
3: really what's kept me from coaching at the same high school for 40 years. The, no, you've talked about that before. I, like all, you you know, obviously, I'd win multiple state championships. And at which point, like, how do I cut off like which kids get to get honored at halftime? It's and a everything. tough
2: thing, man. It's a yeah. tough thing. Uh, all right, we'll get to some headlines in the next segment. Um, but it's almost 740. 740 each day from now until the draft. Mock draft injection. It's our drug. We need one every day. And this one... Is a key one. This is Todd McShay. Is Todd McShay leaning into oh. the narrative created by Jim Ursay? That oh. is next.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to twenty percent versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Is your reward, Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Here was Jim Ursay earlier this week at Shane Steichen's introductory press conference. Maybe showing his hand a little bit. He sure does love the kid from Alabama.
0: We're not hiding, you know, no one can shy away from the fact what quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where, where Shane and Chris really you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter <laughs> freaking clone. He, he likes picks. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you.
2: <laughs> okay, so that was Jim Ursay.
3: <laughs> Before I listen to that, Sean, Ursay was just having fun with knowing that he's throwing smoke out there. But then you get into this ecology of like, okay, he's throwing smoke out, but why did he choose to why did he choose to throw it out specifically in the way that he did? Is it is it because he he doesn't like him, doesn't like Bryce Young, um, but is... Uh, or he actually likes Bryce Young, and he figures that you figure that, like, oh, okay, maybe he doesn't like Bryce Young. You're, so you just don't know. It's smoke.
2: Yeah, no, you're you're illustrating what I think the overriding theme is, which is a much like greater altitude over this, which is it's Jim Ursay. who the hell knows what he's doing here.
3: But the way that he said, "I tell you," that's where I felt like, okay, yeah, he's just messing around now. Except if he chose to mess around. A lucid person might not choose to mess around with somebody like that they actually like. It's just yeah, a, we don't
2: We yeah. don't even know if he was on anything at that press conference.
3: You know what I mean? Like it- You know, he put out yesterday. He put out that picture of him riding a bear at the Chicago Zoo when yeah, he was a kid. Yeah, he's kind, of, kind of making a joke about how he knows the bears. So he's trying to throw smoke again. But it just occurred to me that like if Jeremy Irse had gotten up and said and told a story about how he had ridden a bear when he was a child. You nobody would have believed them. <laughs> like you would have thought, like, oh my god, yeah. this guy is remembering some His- bad acid trip as an actual childhood memory. <laughs> oh my god! But he had photo- photographic evidence.
2: I done some treacherous things before. Like a, it was, I was when I was three. My parents put me on a bear at the zoo, and I started riding. Said, "Giddy up, giddy up." All right, That's exactly. It's, it's what he would do. It's what he would do. I can, like the sad thing is I could totally see that happening 100%. All right, so Todd McShay of espn.com, Todd McShay of espn.com is leaning into the new narrative of the Colts being hyper motivated to trade up to get the kids from Alabama. Um he says this would be the trade, Seth, in this mock draft. And We're going to get to who the te- okay. he's got the he's got the He's got the Colts trading up from four to one. The cost of doing that, obviously they're, give, they're flip-flopping with the Bears, so the Bears get the number four pick. They get a second rounder, which is an early second rounder, the 35th pick, a fifth rounder, and he says maybe even an, ad- an additional number one next year as well. So basically the cost of moving up three spots in the eyes of McShea is a two, a five, and a, and a first rounder next year.
3: Yeah, I don't want any part killed. of that.
2: If I'm the Texans, to move up, I don't
3: want any part of that, and I don't think that I don't think the Colts do either. I think that the best thing the Texans have going, if they like Bryce Young, is the fact that Andrew Luck retired abruptly and early because of injuries suffered, and because Peyton Manning opened the door to Andrew Luck because his neck was all jacked up, um, and those are big dudes. So whatever. However much Jim Ursay is a sizist, uh, I hope that he's a full-blown sizist, card-carrying sizist yep. when it comes to this, because I think he might have a kind of a, a knee-jerk, an understandable like uh, fear of, of his guy getting banged around, because he saw those guys get banged around, and they outweigh Bryce Young by 50 pounds. Yep. So, okay, it, it's hard for a guy like him to, I'm sure, not imagine Bryce Young taking the same beating. But weighing 50 pounds less. yeah. If, if you're Bryce Young, hopefully you're not going to take that same beating. You're going to be smarter about that.
2: Hopefully that's the case. If you're a Texan fan and you like, like Bryce Young, <laughs> Todd McShay, of course, has the Colts trading up to take Young with the first pick, which leaves the Texans at number two. And with the second pick in Todd McShay, mock draft 2.0, the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud, quarterback, mm-hmm. Ohio State. Here's what McShay has to say. Like their AFC South foe, the Colts, the Texans... Uh, have to get their new coach a quarterback. They were ahead of only the Colts in scoring last year, and Davis Mills does not appear to be the answer. He goes through Mills' interception numbers. Stroud, meanwhile, finished the 2022 season with an 88.9 QBR and threw 41 touchdowns with just six picks. Okay, this is where I'll point out, yeah, it was against the Big Ten, not against the NFL, like – Davis Mills threw a ton of interceptions last year while CJ Stroud protected the ball very well against Northwestern. Okay.
3: (laughs) His touch
2: timing and smooth delivery really pop on tape. We saw flashes of his mobility at the end of the season, including against Georgia in the playoff. Houston does have another first rounder, so perhaps it can add another target for him as well.
3: Yeah. Um, I think that with C.J. Stroud, like, neither C.J. Stroud or Will Levis actually get me excited to watch them play football the same way Bryce Young does. With C.J. Stroud, I think part of it is that he wasn't he wasn't good when pressured this year, but he doesn't get pressured a whole lot because he plays at Ohio State, and so you don't necessarily get to see a lot of, perhaps, frankly, what Bryce Young got, you know, he had to deal with more pressure because they didn't have a classically Alabama-type offense or, or personnel this year. Um... When I watch Bryce Young, there's a certain, like, comfort level and uh, almost like a casual competence in the way he goes about it. And I say casual not because he's taking it – because he's not taking it seriously. Um, Because there's no rush to it. There's no hurry. Like, when he fakes a handoff, he, like, holds the fake an extra beat than other quarterbacks. Like, just watches the running back run to the hole and then turns to – It's a little thing um, that's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. It really, you know, I think it's because my perspective, just as a defensive lineman, a lot of the keys we're looking at are those things that um, not necessarily a lot of other people give a single damn about. Like for a defensive end, you're watching the the QB exchange, the QB running back exchange, because that's when you're going to tell whether it's a boot or not. Um, all those things, linebackers are, are noticing those things. The guys that pay attention to detail or can just kind of handle it and make it look very smooth and effortless are guys like Pat Mahomes and and it and it just it sticks out like a sore thumb to me it's always an indication of how much attention does the guy pay to detail um and and I think for and also just how much of a natural point guard are you with Stroud, it all feels way more mechanical with Bryce Young. He he looks and feels to me like a natural point guard. Yeah. Um. Like he's just using every little bit of misdirection, uh, a a sixth sense about where the pressure is, when when he can you know hold the guy, hold the safety with uh, looking one way and then come back to something else. He just does all those finer elements of the game better than Stroud. The the big problem is he's just so damn tiny. He's tiny. uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's tiny. So I don't get excited about Stroud at number two. Um. If the Texans take him, I'll be intrigued and excited to watch the experiment, and hopefully, you know, be be impressed by whatever they see. I just don't get excited about him the same way I get excited about Young as a football player. Yeah, no,
2: you and I are of like mind there. I'll be I'll be excited because it's a quarterback at training camp. But Bryce Young, like Bryce, your offseason is Bryce Young at quarterback and D'Amico Ryan's at head coach. Like that's that was the dream scenario going into the off season. When was the last time the dream scenario happened for the Texans in anything? Um, All right, next one, number 12 pick, Todd McShay's 2.0 mock draft, the Houston Texans select. Oh, I like this draft. Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. Here's what McShay says. If you draft a QB at two, it's smart to set him up to succeed with a strong supporting cast. He lists all the guys that are currently on the Texans um, and also says they were part of the league's worst offense last season, 4.8 yards per play. But Mechie and Damian Pierce – Maybe Brandon Cook sticks around. He says Stroud would need a big body wide receiver to go up and get fifty fifty balls, stretch the field, and produce after the catch. That's Johnston. If the Texans go this route, they'd be the first team since 2010 to draft a QB and a receiver Ooh. in the same first round since Denver in twenty since Denver in twenty ten. Of course, that was Demarius Thomas was a wide receiver. That was a home run. The quarterback, Timothy Tebow.
3: <laughs> Not oh. a home run. Yeah uh Burrow and Jamar Chase were one year apart from each other um but that worked out pretty well I'd say uh, so far so, so good yeah yeah so far so good it is it is nice to think of that potentially just really big target a guy that's physically dominating you know that uh, that's what they were hoping Andre Johnson would be for David Carr once upon a time yeah and to be clear, Andre Johnson was that for David Carr. David Carr just <laughs> wasn't able to use it. Right, It was like giving a 12-gauge to an 8-year-old, yeah. Sean. <laughs> He's going to blast himself through the back of the into a pond, you know, um, yeah, back t- from the kick, what- not from the, from the, kick. no, he didn't shoot. No, no, no. he like has got an aim the right it. way. Yeah. People that don't understand firearms, somebody, I thought like, uh, 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 I was it's a morbid analogy. Graphic, no, no, yeah, no. The yeah, gun yeah, is yeah, aimed yeah. out. It's the, yes, it's the yes.
2: jerking of the gun that knocks him into the pond. Right.
3: Um, but Quentin Johnson is a big old beast of a dude. We thought when I gush about the San Francisco offense where D'Amico Ryan's just came from, what do I gush about? Mostly. Yeah, uh, Devo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk just dragging dudes across the first down markers. Yeah, they they genuinely can't see the imaginary yellow line. They don't even they just keep on trucking right through the imaginary yellow line. And I could see that with Quentin Johnson. When I've seen people take Jordan Addison, the uh, the wide receiver out of USC, who weighs about like Bryce Young's weight. <laughs> he's, he's even tinier than Bryce Young. Everybody He's six foot one seventy five. I get offended on, beh- on behalf of John Mechie. Like, like what what we've already got our John Mechie. We don't need to draft another John Mechie. I agree. John John Mechie looks phenomenal according to reports. He's beat the cancer, and I think John Mechie's gonna get the shot at at being the smaller, speedier, shifty type before they go ahead and waste a draft, a first round draft pick on somebody else.
2: Yeah, Johnston can run away from people too. Like if you watched him in that playoff game against Michigan and some of, like he's and that's against Michigan. It's one of the more talented one of the most talented teams in the country. They were in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, he, he he has a fifth gear, you know, for a guy that size. so um, so there you go. That's, uh, it, that is a draft that uh, I'm, I'd like to see them get Bryce young, the Texans, but it would take a quarterback at two. That's exciting and Quentin Johnson at 12. I'm a huge fan of that.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.